awesome man of God, and we're very honored to have him in the state of Arkansas. Will you help me in welcoming Brother Court Chavis to this pulpit and to the great state of Arkansas? Amen. Could you put your hands together for Jesus? He is so worthy of it. Hallelujah. Oh, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy. You're altogether wonderful to me. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether love. You're altogether worthy. I sing it one more time. Here I am to worship. I've come to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're together lovely. Lord, you're so Lift your hands and praise him right now. Come on, lift your hands and add your voice with it. You're so worthy of all my praise. You're so worthy of all my praise. And better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Say better is one day, better is one day, better is one day than thousands elsewhere. Say it with me, lift your voice, say better is one day, better is Better is one day than thousands elsewhere. One more time, say, say, better is one day. Better is one day. Better is one day than thousands elsewhere. Come on, put your hands together and give him high praise. Hallelujah. 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 Amen, amen, amen. What an honor and a privilege it is to be at Arkansas HYC. Amen. I fought the devil and Delta to get here. Amen. But I am here and I feel good in the house of the Lord. Amen. And I can tell that the Holy Ghost has been here from moment one and I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is going to do tonight. I'm excited about what God is going to do for the rest of this week. Amen. It is my prayer that you will leave this place this week and that you would never be the same. That's my prayer for you. My prayer is that you would walk out of here on uh, Tuesday night and there would be such a change in your life that you would never go back to the way you live, never act the way you acted, never walk the way you walked, never talk the way you talked. You would be a different person in God a different person in Christ, you would say, God, I'm changed forever. That is my prayer, and that is my purpose, amen, here this week. And I would like to give honor to all of your district officials. Thank you, Brother Dean, amen, and all the leadership here for allowing me to be here, for inviting me. It is my honor and my privilege, amen. I know you've been uh, maybe delaying just a little bit for me to get here, so I'll take you quickly to the first book of Chronicles, the first book of Chronicles chapter 13, 1 Chronicles chapter 13, amen. 
And I'm going to begin there in verse 1. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. When you have it, just shout amen. The Bible says, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and every leader. David said unto all the congregation of Israel, If it seem good unto you, and that it be of the Lord our God, let us send abroad unto our brethren everywhere that are left in all the land of Israel, and with them also to the priests and the Levites, which are in their cities and suburbs, that they may gather themselves unto us. And let us bring again the ark of our God to us, for we inquired not at it in the days of Saul. And if you would go down quickly me to verse 7, the Bible says in verse 7, And they carried the ark of God in a new cart out of the house of Abinadab and Uzzah, and Ahio drave the cart. And David and all of Israel played before God with all their might and with singing and with harps and with psalteries and with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. When they came unto the threshing floor of Chadon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark for the ox and stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and he smote him because he put his hand to the ark. And there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? Amen. And if you will quickly turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles 15. Bible says, and David made his houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Then David said, none ought to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For them hath the Lord chosen to carry the ark of God and to minister unto him forever. And David gathered all of Israel together to Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord unto his place which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron and the Levites. Amen. And go with me now to uh, verse number 12. And he said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. If you allow me for just a little bit here, I would like to preach this Arkansas HYC on this thought. Priest and praise. Priest and praise. Amen. Could you put your Bibles down and lift up your hearts and your hands? And let's speak to the Lord right now. God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight, God. We thank you for your hand of favor and protection upon us. Pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and our spirits, God. I pray that you would touch us tonight, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but that we would also be doers of the word. And we will be careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And would you lift your voice now all over the building and just begin to give him high praise. Come on, put your hands together and exalt the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Priest and praise. Priest and praise. I want to talk to you tonight a little bit on these two subjects. They are very familiar to us and uh, I do not uh, attempt or even believe tonight that I stand before you to bring you some new great revelation. That's not why I'm here and it's not what I believe. But I do believe that it is time in our uh, religious culture and in our apostolic culture that we talk about a few things about priests and praise. Uh, number one, let me talk about praise for just a little bit. And let me say this to, for the onset here, that God 
is not coming back for a library. Hallelujah. But God is coming back for a church. Amen. Anybody believe that in the house tonight? Amen. When you walk into a library, when you step into a library, there are certain rules and regulations that need to be adhered to in the library. When you come in the library, it is a place of study. It is a place of reckoning. It is a place of education. And you must be quiet. And if you're not quiet, somebody will shush you. You ever been shushed before? Zip it. You got to be quiet in the library. Those are the rules and those are the regulations of the library. However, the church also has rules and regulations. And when you come into the house of the Lord, when you come into the holy place of the Lord, if God has been good to you in any way, you must first enter by thanksgiving and with praise. In other words, you can't even get on God's property if you won't thank him and praise him for who he is and what he's done. There's rules and regulations to church. When we come to church, it is proper. It is mandatory. It is right to lift our voice and to clap our hands and to sing and to shout and to dance and sing the songs of Zion. Do I have anybody in the house that agrees with me that if we ain't praising God, we ain't having church. In order to have church, there must be somebody who lifts up their voice and give God a high praise. Hallelujah. I'm not interested in your patty cake church. I'm not interested in your quiet time with Jesus. That's on your time. But when we come together in the sanctuary, in the congregation, there must be a Tahila praise because God inhabits the praises of his people. And we're not crazy. We're not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. We are not cultural in our worship. We are biblical in our worship. They say, what do you mean, Brother Chavis? What do you mean by we're not cultural, we're biblical? Well, too many people try to put labels on the Pentecostal attitude about worship. They say, well, that's just the Pentecostals. That's just who they are. That's just where they're from. They praise God that way. That's just how it is with them. And, you know, they're those, those are those crazy Pentecostal people. But, ladies and gentlemen, everything that we do happened long before Pentecost did. I said everything that God has mandated about our praise and our worship happened long before Pentecost. It was in the book of Psalms when he said, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy, wonderful name. We're not doing this just because we're Pentecostal. We're doing this because God likes praise. God likes exuberant worship. God likes it when you dance before the Lord. He likes it when you raise your hands. He likes it when you lift your voice. Hallelujah. Make a joyful noise, all ye lands. Shout unto God. Clap your hands, dance your dance, sing the songs of Zion. It's all biblical. Hallelujah. We got too many folks running around here saying all that's not necessary. That's not necessary, Pastor Chavis. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Thanks for telling me. Because according to my Bible, it is quite, mand it is quite necessary. And quite mandatory. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in Psalms, for God inhabits the praises of his people. He abides in the praises of his people. He abodes in the praises of his people. That's what Psalms says. But if you look up that word praise in that uh, spot in Psalms, that praise is not uh, a halal, it's not a uh, um, uh, a uh, uh, just a Shabbat worship, but that, that word praise there is a Tehillah worship. And Tehillah requires a congregation. 
Now, according to God, a congregation can be when two or three are gathered. So all you need is two, but three's good too. Amen? But in order to have God come and abide in the midst of your praises, the congregation has to, as one voice and as one unit of believers, lift their voice and begin to sing or dance or worship. You know what gets God in the building? I'll tell you what brings God in the building. It's when the congregation lifts up their voice and begins to sing of his greatness and sing of his worthiness and sing of the auspicious and almighty God. That's why the praise team gets up and, and you're thinking about everything in the world but God. But the praise team gets up and they sing three songs in a row and you get excited and you forget about your job and you forget about the money and you forget about the kids and all of your responsibility and you focus on the Lord and God comes down in the midst of that because he inhabits the praises of his people. The world would say, uh, this, is, this is insanity. This is crazy. You guys coming together like this and uh, all being in this big giant room and all dressed up nice. and This, this is insanity. Well, I, mean, I mean, why are you doing this? Who, who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? And, and, and that bothers a lot of church folk. It, it bothers a lot of us because I'll tell you why I know it bothers us. Because I see churches within our own ranks beginning to let down their standard of worship. Because they don't want to, uh, you know, hurt people's feelings. They want to be seeker friendly. It's the truth. I ain't trying to hurt nobody's feelings. I'm just saying that what, what it is, it is what it is. It be what it be. Amen. And they're trying to let down on their standard of worship because they don't want to offend nobody. Well, when you begin to let down on the worship... You may not offend the seeker, but you're offending the Savior. Now, who are you more worried about, the seeker or the Savior? Who cares if you got a church full of seekers if there ain't no Savior there? Who cares if you got a thousand seekers on Sunday with no Savior? Because every seeker needs a Savior. How do we get the Savior in the room? As a congregation, we exalt His name. We put ourselves on God's map when we worship him. Here we are. Come see about us. What the world says about our worship and our praise, our, our exuberant uh, worship, it doesn't bother me. It, it, it affects me none. And someone would say, well, you know, we need to be sensitive. I'm, no, I don't have to be sensitive. Not about that. No, no, no. Because if they can pack stadiums, paint themselves blue and green and red, 50,000, 100,000, with millions watching on the television, locked up in their homes with nachos and cheese, and they're painted green and red and blue, and fathers won't talk to sons, and brothers won't speak over a ball game. And there's people that are more committed to a football team than a church. You had the same football team for 40 years, and they stunk for 37 of those years. But you stuck with them. But let the preacher not shake your hand, and you're out next Sunday. The devil is a lie. You'll stick with your football team when they stink, but you won't stick with the church when they're going through a little struggle, a little trial. Well, let me get off this. I'm going to jump off this, this horse. Right? You show more allegiance to the Razorbacks than you do the United Pentecostal Church of your city. I felt the Holy Ghost right there. They go to the ball games and lose their whole mind, 100%. Just lose the whole mind, flipping, turning, spitting, yelling at people, throwing chicken wings, losing their mind. And then they come to our church and go, these people are crazy. What do you mean? Ain't no football player ever died for me. Ain't no basketball player ever gave his life. Have you lost your whole mind? I'm here to worship the true Savior, the true God, the mighty God. 
He's worthy of this. Your football team ain't done nothing for nobody. But my God, save the whole world. And if you can paint yourself up, don't get mad if I wear a suit and tie. Can I get an amen from the apostolics in the house right now? We are who we are. Stop making excuses and stop making apologies. This is what we do. We're crazy about Jesus. Deal with it, man. Got to have praise. Got to have praise. Got to have it. Got to have it. The Bible says that David was worried about this. You see, the whole time, I'm acting too crazy for this bottle of water to stay anywhere near where it needs to be. I'm just going to kick it off. David said, he, he says a few things in 1 Chronicles 13 that I want to draw your attention to. First of all, he says, let's go get the ark. Because the whole time Saul was king, nobody even asked about it. That's what he said. He said, the whole time that Saul was king, you know, there was a tabernacle. There was priests. The Levites were still performing their duties. But there was no glory. The whole time Saul was king, we were having church, but there was no glory in the church. We were going through the motions. We were going through the status quo. But there was no ark in the tabernacle. There was no tent of meeting. There was no glory. He said, while Saul was king, we did not even ask about the ark of the covenant. See, but David wasn't satisfied having church with no glory. David wasn't satisfied with the show as long as everybody's looking to part and as long as we're having all the functions and as long as everything's going, we're good. We're maintaining. This is good. Everybody's happy. Everybody's excited. We're good. David couldn't live like that. David said, no, 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 no. I, I don't know about y'all. I'm, I'm bringing all my elders together, bringing all the leaders together. Let's go get the glory. We, we got to have the glory. I, I need the glory in my life. I, I need the glory in the church. Too, too many churches today are having church with no glory. The praise team is, is, is hot to trot. Everything is good. It looks good. It looks great. Everything's fantastic. But there ain't nothing happening. I was in the hospital just a few uh, months ago, and uh, I was praying for a gentleman, and one of his friends came to pray for him as well. He was a minister of a church about 20 minutes from my church. And so we struck up a conversation, began to talk, asked him about what he was doing, his church, different things like that. I was trying to push the conversation a little bit. I was just asking him some questions. And finally, he, he finally opened up to me, began to talk and, and just share some things with me. And he said, you know what? He said, I, I feel like I need to tell you something. I said, yeah, okay, man, just tell me. He said, I have a six-year-old daughter. He said, she loves going to Sunday school. She's all about some Sunday school. On Sunday mornings, we don't even wake her up. She jumps out of bed on Sunday morning. She is dressed and in the kitchen with her cereal bowl and eating and ready to go by the time me and my wife even think about getting up on Sunday morning. She lives for Sunday school. So, but just a couple of weeks ago, on a Sunday morning, I, I, went, I walked past her room and she was still in the bed. And I walked in the room and I called her name and I said, uh, why are you still in bed? It's Sunday morning, Sunday school. And she kind of mumbled around. He said, well, get ready. You know, we will leave in a little bit. She said, I came back by again, and there she was, sitting on the edge of her bed, still in her pajamas. Said, I said, hey, what are you doing? It's church time. What's wrong? He said, my six-year-old daughter looked at me and said, Dad, I have a problem. He said, yes, honey. He said, I really felt the sincerity of the moment. I sat down on the bed beside her, and I said, baby, tell me what's going on. She said, it's church. He said, okay, tell me what, what's going on at church. Maybe some kids bullying her, 
You know, maybe there's something going on at the church that I don't know about. What's going on? She said, I don't know about church anymore, Dad. She said, because all we ever do is talk, 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 but nothing ever happens. I looked at him, I said, well, you got to come to Truth Chapel, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. But there's glory up in my church. Because we sing until the glory comes. And we preach until the glory comes. And we ain't leaving until the glory comes. If a six-year-old girl could understand that in that church there is no glory, then why in the world are we moving that way? I don't want to have church without glory. If we're going to have church without glory, then let's all go do something else. There's a lot of places we can be tonight, but we're here because we know that God is going to show up here. If this is just about going to church and marking off a day on my list, then let's go do something else. But if this is about God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. That's what I want. I want glory. I'm churched out. I said I'm churched out. If there's a quota on church, I have reached my church quota. I'm good. I'm covered. If there's a certain amount of number of church services you got to have to go to heaven, I'm making it through the gate, y'all. I've been to church three times, four times. I told somebody when I was a kid I had a drug problem. My dad drug me to church on Sunday, drug me to church on Sunday night, drug me to church on Wednesday, drug me to Friday night youth service, drug me to Saturday morning outreach, drug me to Saturday night family prayer, and then drug me back to church on Sunday morning. All the time. I'm good. I have, I've been churched. Now I'm at a point in my spiritual walk with God that I'm not really so much concerned about church anymore. I want to see him. I want to feel him. I want to see the blinded eyes open. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see something, God. If this is just about coming and singing three songs and taking up an offering and giving a life lesson and going home, then I'm out. I'm out. I don't want it. But if you're going to be here, God, I'm coming. I'm on my way. I'm going to church. I'm on my way to church. Be seated. I got I to gotta hurry up. David says, let's go get the glory. Somehow, somehow something gets twisted here in, in, in 1 Chronicles 13. Somehow something happens because somebody must have got it in David's ear and said, David, I don't know if you, you know this, man, but there's a new way to bring the glory in. And there's this really cool invention, this really cool gizmo, this really cool gadget. It's called a cart. And man, <laughs> It'll, it'll have the glory here so fast. Just blink, boom, glory be here, man. It's, it's awesome. So, so somewhere in the mix of all of 1 Chronicles 13 and David's zeal to have the glory, he reaches out to technology to bring the glory in. And when he reaches out for technology, the Bible calls it a new cart. When he reaches out for the newness of the age. You know, it used to be the priest would carry it, but times are changing. It, it, you know, it used to be that, that the sons of Aaron would, would place it upon their shoulders, but, you know, that's old fogey stuff. That's how they used to do it. This is, this is 2014, about 2015. I mean, it's, it's new. I mean, come on, man. That's, that's a different dispensation. That's Old Testament. I mean, we ain't got to do that stuff no more. I mean, come on, man. I mean, we got so much at our hands now. Why don't we just use this? I mean, it's less work. Nobody's got to bear a burden. Nobody has to feel the weight of ministry. Nobody has to feel the weight of the moment. Let's just use a cart, man. I'm, that's quiet, but I'm preaching right now. I ain't been preaching, now I'm preaching. 
come on, David, you know, it's, it's, it's a new thing. And, man, it, it, just, it just makes it happen, bro. You don't even got to try. It's just add water, mix it up, and it's good. It, it's microwave Christianity. It's Burger King. Have it your way. Have it now. It's, it's, it's the new age. We, we don't need all of that stuff that the elders needed. We're good. We got a cart. Now let me digress here for just a moment, and I want to say something to you. I have a fantastic website at my church, but it ain't glory. I got some really cool lights at my church, really cool, but it ain't glory. I got a, a man at my church made me a tree pulpit to go with my theme for 2014. It's a tree, man. It's cool. Anybody got none of that? Because he made it from scratch. But it ain't glory. We got a really nice praise team. Cool drums, nice piano. We got it all, but it ain't glory. I want to preach to some youth groups here right now. I know you got some cool stuff going on, but it ain't glory. I know you got some new cool gizmos and gadgets. You got some faith metrics you can send out this email and click, clack, clickety, clack, and everybody said, but it ain't glory. It ain't glory. I'm glad it's cool. I love it. I love the lights. I love the sound system. I love it. I like that it's dim out there right now. That's cool. It's awesome. But it ain't glory. We cannot substitute technology for glory. The glory only comes in one way. It worked for the elders, and it'll work for you. I said it worked for the elders, and it will work for you. It may not be popular, but I don't care about popular. I care about glory. It may not be cool, but I don't care about cool. I care about glory. It may not be hip, but I don't care about hip. I care about glory. I want to see your glory. So David says, in 1 Chronicles 15, he says, you know what we need? We need priests. If we're going to get glory, if we're going to go get glory, listen, in 1 Chronicles 13, the Bible says they sang with all their heart. They worshiped with all their heart. They played the harp. They sang songs with all their might in 1 Chronicles 13. But God still killed Uzzah. Because if you're going to have praise, you've got to have priest. You can't have praise without priest, and you can't have priest without praise. The two are connected in such a way that they can never be separated. Whoa, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. I don't know if you feel it, but I just felt my help come on. We cannot separate the priest from praise, and we cannot separate praise from the priest. If you want glory, if you want to go get glory, then you got to have a priest. And so David said in 1 Chronicles 15, he said, hey, guys, Aaron, go get your sons. Go, go get everybody. Go get the sons of Aaron. Go get me Zadok. Go get me Abathar the priest. We got to do this thing the right way. He said, you're the chief. You're the Levites. So sanctify yourself because we're going to get the glory. And because we didn't do it in verse 11 and verse 13, I'm sorry. He said, because we didn't do it right the first time, God's anger was kindled against us because we didn't do it right the first time because we did it wrong we used the cart and we should have used priest Ooh, hallelujah the children of the levites bear the ark of god upon their shoulders verse 15 with the staves thereof as moses commanded according to the word of the lord somebody say god's got away say it again say god's got away Somebody say, God has order. Say it again. God has order. You can't do it your way. And you can't do it Joel Osteen's way. And you can't do it T.D. Jake's way. And you can't do it Rick Warren's way. And you can't do it Andy Stanley's ways. You got to do it God's way.
And God way says, I got to have me some praise and I got to have me some priests. If you want glory, you better go get the priest. You may have a nice praise team, and you may be able to sing better than anybody on the planet. But if you ain't got a man of God that can come behind the pulpit and blow the trumpet of Zion. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. We need a pastor. We need a pastor. We got to have the priest. The glory always comes in on the shoulders of burdened ministry and the praises of the people. Let me say this right now, because I know we're at youth convention. Won't you dare, won't you dare praise like a crazy man with me and with Brother McGovern and then go home on Sunday and sit on your pastor. The devil is a lie. If you want glory in your church, let me tell you how to get glory in your church. When the praise team sings, you ought to worship. But when the preacher gets behind the pulpit, you ought to lose your mind. Preach, preacher. Preach it, pastor. Give us the word. Yes, that's it. Yes, 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 yes. Because the priest needs a praiser, and the praiser needs a priest. We need somebody that can blow the trumpet. We need a man of God that will stand in the gap and pray the prayer of faith. We need somebody that will bring the word. Oh. Somebody say the glory. That ark of the covenant. That ark of the covenant has so many different attributes to it. I mean, the cherubim and the gold and the mercy seat. So many attributes. But that, that, that ark was the, was the place, it was the dwelling place of the testimony. It was the dwelling place of the testament. It was where the word of God, there was no Bible at that point. There was no KJV. They didn't have a leather-bound Thompson chain with the apostolic doctrine in the front of it. All they had was two stones. All they had was two stones. It represented the word of God. It represented the voice of God. And you got to have a priest who's willing to speak the word of God if you're ever going to have glory. There has to be a priest that's willing to put the word of God on his shoulders and carry it to Jerusalem. There has to be a man of God that's willing to speak the word of God into your life. Unrestrained, unchained, unbridled word of God into your life. If you ever want to have glory. Oh, hallelujah. As our generation minimizes the place of praise in our churches. It has already decimated the place of a pastor in our churches. Most of you see the pastor as just a man. Who cares what he says? We've lost respect for the man of God. We lost respect for the man of God. Sometimes we blame we blame the man. We blame the man for, you know, cutting out the word of God. We blame the man. We, we blame the individual man for, uh, you know, cutting back on some things in the scripture. We blame the man for teaching life lessons instead of teaching the word of God. We blame the man, but the reason that the man is doing that is because that's what the people want. The people don't want to hear a strong word anymore. It's offensive. We don't want to hear about the blood anymore. We don't want to hear about the cross anymore. We don't want to hear about sin anymore. Oh, hallelujah. We don't want to hear it anymore. We've negated and decimated and desecrated the place of a pastor. And I'm a pastor here tonight. I'm not trying to uh, build myself up or promote anybody in this room. But I'm telling every young person in this room right now, that the only way that you are going to make it to heaven is by, by the voice of a preacher. 
The Bible says, for God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And the only way you got saved is because a preacher preached and conviction touched your heart and you made your way to an altar and you repented of your sins and you were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and you were baptized in Jesus' name. But it started because there was a man who wasn't afraid to put the word on his shoulder and carry it to where you were sitting. Thank God for our pastor. Thank God for a pastor that'll blow the trumpet of warning and say, young people, come out of fornication. Come out of sin. Come out of debauchery. Come out of it. Come out of lasciviousness. Come out of immodesty. Thank God for a priest. We need a priest. Stay with me all over the room. God tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. I'll paraphrase for just a little bit. He says, Joshua, I'm going to tell you how you're going to destroy Jericho. Joshua says, how? At the moment that God is speaking to Joshua, the angel of the Lord is speaking to Joshua, at that moment, Joshua has a sword in his hand. He got that little, you know how you get when you get a fight in grade school? You got that. Start standing up and kind of tall and got that. What? What'd you say? That's Joshua in the desert. Yeah, tell me. Tell me. Let's go. Let's go. Joshua, I'm going to tell you how to destroy Jericho. I got you. Let's go. I got a million men. We got ladders. We got ropes. We got spears and sword. Let's go. Let's do it. He's hype. Got his beast mode on. God says, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to walk around it. Uh huh. Uh, you're gonna walk around it. We're gonna walk. Yeah, you're gonna walk. Just walk. Once a day for six days. On the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. And on the seventh time around, on the seventh time around, when you come to the end of the seventh time, I would like you. To make the priest blow the trumpet. And when the priest blow the trumpet, tell the people to shout. And when the priest blow the trumpet and the people shout, the walls will come down. Because this is the process of demonstration. This is the process of glory. That when the priest makes a proclamation the people give an affirmation and God does a demonstration when the pastor preaches a word that affects you and you feel it and you hear it you affirm it with your praise amen and when you affirm the word and you live the word and you walk the word Walls always come down. If you're dealing with struggle and you're dealing with trial and you're dealing with sin, don't blame the pastor. Blame your response to the preached word. Hebrews chapter 4. Saying in my notes, but Hebrews chapter 4 says this. For the same gospel was preached unto them, but it profited them nothing, seeing as they did not mix it with faith. They heard the same thing you heard, but it did them no good because they didn't act on it. They didn't mix it with faith. You know what you do when the preacher preaches a word that you feel and hear and you know it's for you? When you say amen, preach preacher. That's for me. I receive it. You know what you do? You begin to mix it. <laughs> and when you begin to mix it with faith, that's where the profit comes from. The only way you profit from the word. Listen, you don't get no points for showing up. You don't get no points for coming to HYC. You don't get no points for just being here. 
But when you say, that's my word, that's for me, preacher. That's mine. That's my word. He's talking about me. He's talking about me. When you say that, when you do that, when you say, amen, I believe it. Preach it. When you do that, you mix it. And when you mix it with faith. Ezekiel 33, verse 3 through 4. And when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. That's why the pastor has to get up and preach hard words. That's why the pastor has to get up and preach. The end is coming. The return of the Lord is soon. Come out of sin. Young people, stop fooling around with him. He ain't no good for you. Stop fooling around with her. She ain't no good for you. When the youth pastor sits across from you in the, in the coffee shop and he says, listen, you got to let him go. You got to let her go. You got to separate yourself from these people. When they do that, they're warning you of the sword. And if you don't heed it, it ain't on them. It's on you. Listen, we're living in a dispensation when everybody wants mentors. Court, could you mentor me? I want to be a mentor. I want to be a mentor, 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 mentor. Well, I, I do mentor some kids. I do, and I have in the past. My first question to them is, who's your pastor? I've mentored some young evangelists that have wanted to be used by God. They said, man, I, I can preach. I, I, I'm good, you know, and, and, and I want you to talk me, just, you know, teach me, talk to me, just, you know, be there for me. Okay, who's your pastor? Well, you know, the, the church I come from, that guy, he's, he's my pastor. But then I got this other guy over here. He, he's my pastor. But then there's this guy up north. You know, he's a real good guy. And, <coughs> nay, nay. You can only have one. Tell me his name. Well, what, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. What, who is the dude that can call you right now and tell you no and you'll listen? That guy. That's your pastor. Young people, this word tonight, it might not make you run owls and lose your mind, but this word tonight will save your soul. You need a pastor. I know you can praise. We're at HYC. This is praise crazy. But can you listen to the voice of the priest? We gotta have priests. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And I'm reaching the young people right now. The most important move they're gonna make in their life is determining who their man of God will be. God. Solidify a pastor in their life, solidify a youth pastor in their life. God, give them a priest in their world that will carry the burden of the word of God though it may cut them though it may hurt them though it may set them aside there must be somebody who's willing to put it on their shoulders and walk with it I wonder today in this house if there's any young person that would like to come to this altar and I know this is first night and it's kind of one of those moments for last night but, but, but not this HYC I wonder if some young people that are gathered around your youth pastor or gather around your pastor and say, Pastor, preach to me. Don't hold anything back. Don't, 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 don't sugarcoat it for me because I want to go to heaven. And, and I know that it takes more than praise, but I got to have a priest. I got to have a man of God. I need a pastor in my life. Come on, would you move now? If ever you pass in this building, will come forward to the front. And I realize that this is a Sunday night, so there's probably some pastors here. You'll come as well. Find your youth group. Find your youth pastor. Lay hands on him.
youth pastor, let me tell you something. You can't do it without that pastor. He has to be that ultimate voice in your life. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15, if you will, put it up on the screen for me. 1 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 26. I want you to read this with me. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 15 verse 26, it says, and it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the ark of the Lord, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Pastor, you can't do it by yourself. You, pastor, you can't do it by yourself. God has to help you. When God helped them carry it. You can't carry it by yourself, sir. You can't carry it by yourself, man. God must help you. Come on, young people, gather around. Let's do this right now, first night. Let's commit to the authority in our life. God, I'm committing to the pastor. I'm committing to my youth pastor. I'm committing to the priest in my life. Speak to me. There's some young men here. You've been in rebellion against your leader. You've been in rebellion against your pastor. There's some young ladies here. You've been in rebellion against your pastor's wife. You've been in rebellion against your youth pastor's wife. I want you to pray right now. Ask God to forgive you. Because I tell you, God can't do nothing for you the rest of this week if you don't get it right with the priest tonight. He will not overstep the priest. He will not overstep that boundary. He will not overstep the man of God in your life. So tonight, tonight, I need priest. I need a priest. I need somebody who will carry the ark. The enemy doesn't like this because it represents unity. The enemy doesn't like this because it represents synergy. He doesn't like this because it represents connectivity. He doesn't like this. But there's some change that's going to break. You pastor, I want you to lay hands on your youth group. Lay hands on them and pray the prayer of faith. Rebuke the enemy. Rebuke disease. Rebuke addiction. Rebuke pornography. Rebuke fornication. Rebuke drug addiction. Rebuke peer pressure. Pray the prayer of faith over them now. Every half thing must come down. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. With hope. 